Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Barb McPhee, who is the person behind the North End Harvest Market, which is one of the services offered through the Grain Chill East Neighborhood Group. We're continuing our countdown to Giving Tuesday on November the 30th by highlighting various charities and nonprofits in Guelph. And the North End Harvest Market fits nicely under the broad topic of food insecurity. There are many reasons why someone might be food insecure, but it's fallen to many different small neighborhood groups in our city to take direct action against it, especially as the pandemic has both exacerbated the problem and made it more difficult to act on it. Still, the North End Harvest Market is a success story and a hard-fought one, and McPhee is going to tell us all about it. Fighting food insecurity is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. According to Guelph Wellbeing, a project meant to find ways to enhance well-being of Guelph residents, 16.4% of Guelph households are food insecure. That's in line with the Canada-wide statistics cited last fall in the Guelph Community Foundation's Vital Science Report, which noted that 15%, or 1 in 7, Canadian households are food insecure. And more than that, households with children have a greater chance of being food insecure than households with children. These are COVID-adjusted numbers. Before that, from 2005 to 2012, the Ontario Food Bank Association had noted a 112.5% increase in the number of people using food banks, and those numbers have not gone down since the start of the last decade. The need for help is overwhelming, which is why many neighborhood groups now have their own food insecurity remedies. The North End Harvest Market is focused on a specific remedy. If you look at the area around Waverly Drive in the northeast end of Guelph, what do you see? It's a great big residential area surrounded by neighborhoods, parks, schools, and some churches, but not much in the way of grocery stores. Food insecurity doesn't just mean the cost of food. It means the ease of access to food and how far you have to travel to get fresh meat and produce. And that's where Barb McPhee comes in. The North End Harvest Market has been directly addressing access to fresh food since 2014 and doing great work with small donations, personal gifts, and community grants. Naturally, COVID has changed the landscape and the demand. So how has McPhee coped and how has the market adapted? Barb McPhee will give us those and other answers on this week's Guelph Politicast. We will discuss the beginnings of the North End Harvest Market, how it works, and how many people are helped on a weekly basis with their fresh food. We will also talk about McPhee's involvement with the market, the issues around food deserts here in Guelph, and how the need goes far beyond the Grant Hill area. And finally, we will talk in depth about how the pandemic has changed the way that the market has had to deliver their services, how the pandemic has made the issues they're fighting worse, and what McPhee would do if money was no object in delivering the services of the North End Harvest Market. Plus, you will learn how you can help out if you would like. So I caught up with Barb McPhee last week via Zoom. So Barb McPhee, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy to be here. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, why don't we start with the most basic question? Um, how did the North End Harvest Market get started? Uh, how long has it been since you've been operating? So uh, eight years ago, um, Chalmers Community Services downtown um, came to um, the Waverly Neighborhood Group 
to talk about bringing what they do is they offer food uh, to um, the homeless downtown and um, so one wondered what could happen up in the north end of Guelph as it was a, a food desert right so um, not just the homeless, but everybody was struggling to find decent food. So we um, had a meeting to talk about it, and it ended up that there is no way that we could afford to um, do what community uh, was doing downtown because they were doing um, pans and, and eggs and milk and stuff. So the more we talked, <clears throat> we decided that it was fresh produce mm. uh, for some vegetables that was more important. So we agreed that, um, that that's what we were going to shoot for. And at the time, Guelph United Ministries um, had offered $30,000 to start a pilot project. Um, and so we were lucky to get um, a portable um, at uh, Waverly Drive Public School. And uh, we started this six-month project. And eight years in, we're still going. <laughs> So how does it work? Okay, so um, pre-pandemic, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was amazing. <clears throat> People would come and they would line up. And uh, while they were waiting to come through the market, we were able to provide things in the parking lot like belly dancing. And uh, we had a drumming circle and, and there was people come to sing. And so then when um, it was their turn, they could come in like, um, one or two at a time, the market was set up so that they could go around and choose what fruits and vegetables they wanted. And uh, so that worked out really well. And then uh, pandemic hit. And since we were in um, a portable um, under a use of school contract, the portable was shut down. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, you know what? The need is still there. So I went to public health and we drew up a safety plan that Upper Grand District School Board approved of. And so two weeks later, we were able to reopen. We um, now do curbside service and something we never did before was delivery. Mm. Um, deliver. Um, it, it started out pre-pandemic that we would do about... Uh, 40 families would come through per week. And, uh, but now uh, after this pandemic, we are now supplying to um, about 140 households. We had to expand uh, to the whole city. So that's where we're at. So that's like a 400% increase almost. Pretty well, pretty well, yeah. So we, we were lucky that there was um, a little bit of COVID money come through the uh, province. Um, so we got about 45,000, but that wasn't even close to um, continuing for a whole year. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of a struggle. Well, I was going to ask like specifically how COVID changed the way the, you run the market. Um, aside from, I mean, the obvious changes you had to make uh, in terms of the, the delivery of the service. Are you wondering now, um, or maybe you have data to back that up, you know, the, the that 400% increase, um, 
Is that because of need created by the pandemic? Or do you think that was revealing need that was there and the pandemic forced people to finally seek you out? Well, I yeah, and I kind of think that the need has always been there. But being that our mandate was just the north end of Guelph mm. um, was the barrier, right? And then when we realized that um, everybody needs food, and once we opened it up, we found that that those areas that that were underserviced, um, they just started coming forward. And we also now have a lot of um, doctors and nutritionists now that are recommending that uh, some of their patients um, get in contact with us because of their health issues, mm. um, that the fresh produce is, is what they need. So we, we have a hard time saying no. Yeah, I, I want to address that, though, but we, we kind of skipped over one thing, um, you know, up on Waverly Drive, that's in the, the northeasternmost end of the city. That really is a food desert. I mean, outside of like fast food places and convenience stores, I think that's probably the, mo- the, the least sort of accessible place for like fresh food in the city. And so much as like we, we hear all the time, EastEnders talk about getting a new grocery store at Starview that's still a long hike from the people in the Waverly drive neighborhood. So sure. I, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's an, that's an aspect of convenience too, but there's also just an aspect of distance that there, this really is a food desert in this, yeah. in our city. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and you can confirm now that um, this isn't just sort of area residents who are in need in, in like that part, that part of the city that you are getting, all comers from all different parts of the city. Now do you, you're, you're basically a city service, not just a neighborhood service. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's, it's turned into. And so our struggle now is, um, you know, when the money runs out, how do we go back to our original service? Right. And mm. <clears throat> I don't see that happening, but then I don't, we don't have sustainable funding. So <laughs> it's on how much work do and how much money can we find and um but yeah so it's uh we go right to the south end mm-hmm. um, yeah cover everybody i did note that the the harvest market was doing this thing where you could sponsor like a week of uh, like like a week of the market like this week is sponsored by this group or this business and it was like six hundred dollars because you gave away six hundred dollars in produce um, how has that, how has, have, how, how have those economics changed? Is it, are you, are you still giving away 600 or is it more? No, we now it's our weekly budget is 1500. Um, so that, adopt a week, uh, was one of our main, uh, fundraisers. And, uh, so we still have, um, are offering, you know, people that, but we're now telling them, um, our budget has increased to 1500, but we'll take whatever you can give us. Mm. Um, but we're finding now um, it's a struggle for everybody mm. uh, for money. So even organizations and companies that were sponsoring us um, are struggling a little bit because they have their own issues in their own companies, you know, with extra PPE and that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that's becoming a little bit of a struggle. How, how, how much of a chance do you get to think about sort of the long term, like what happens if 
you know, you're still giving out $1,500 worth of food uh, like three years from now. Like what, what kind of, you know, long-term funding can you find? Or are you kind of just focused on the week to week right now? Right now, <laughs> right now, it's kind of like, you know, okay, we have this much money, we can go another six months, right? Mm. And then <clears throat> that six months is focused on, um, we are a program with the Guelph Neighborhood Support Coalition. So uh, Brandon Johnson, the executive director is very, very good at, at helping us to uh, find grants or he includes us in um the amount of money that we're asking from the city for the neighborhood groups. Um, so right now it's, it's always in the back of my mind uh, what the exit plan is going to be or what's going to happen. Mm. Um, but right now it's pretty focused from week to week and with Christmas coming um, mm-hmm. like this, this week and last week we were lucky to obtain, um, I think we got a hundred uh, our 10, turkeys and 20 chickens that we were able to offer to families over Mm. Thanksgiving. And we're hoping to kind of do last year, we did a hundred turkeys and uh, 50 chickens. So those are kind of things now we're focusing on is to make sure that, that people can survive over, over the holiday season. Um, Yeah. So it's, and that's a close future. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's only ever, I, I guess it's easier to sort of focus on the deadline in front of you. So you can, like, it's easier to plan for Christmas than it is to plan for next summer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because we've, we've done, we've done a couple of Christmases now, um, like through COVID. So we know what we need to do. Right. And we know where we need to, to focus. Um, we run a non-custodial parent and grandparent program, which was an $18,000 program, which we run for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all done through donations and stuff, but that's a lot of work to get those donations, right? And not having a budget for even that program, um, the work is all around uh, trying to find those partners again. And I have to ask, uh, who is it that's doing sort of most of the work doing this organizing? How many people do you have helping you do this all, all of this organizing? <laughs> so I, I am the only staff person. I am uh, 20 hours a week. Uh, but we have what we call a resource team. So a lot of times it's like a management team or, you know, executive team um, that this year has just come together. And uh, so I have that backup and uh, um, they do a lot of the work and a lot of them are community members. Um, some are agency partners, but we, they, we meet once a month to talk about what, what's happening at the market. And, and I have a good base of volunteers that mm. I really dedicated. So, but, but at the end of the day, uh, you are the North end harvest market. It's me at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My 20 hours a week is really 60, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to tell anybody that <laughs> your secret I don't get is- over tired. <laughs> <laughs> your secret is safe with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One aspect of the market I want to highlight is um, you, people come up and ask for help and there's no means test. There's no proof of uh, needed that they need the help. Um, y- you know, if, if people say they need the help, they get the help when they come to the North end mark, a harvest market. Why is that important? That's important. Cause there's a lot of people that, well, 
they don't want to come forward in the first place, right? And so by asking them all these questions and asking for their firstborn and, and <laughs> that kind of stuff really doesn't, doesn't help the process. And so that's why some of them don't go to some of the uh, food agencies that give support because they don't want to give that information or they just don't want to. We do ask for, because we've expanded so far, we do ask for proof of address. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ask for name, address, uh, phone number, proof of address, and the number in your family. And that's pretty well all we ask. But that, I mean, that also helps you sort of identify who, like who's coming, how many are you're helping um that's kind of like the basic data that helps you build the service yeah we put a big guelph map on the wall and then i got little pins in um where we delivered to and uh we also now are registering the drive-throughs um mm. so we now know where they're coming from so it's these all little dots go up on this map to show us where the gaps are in the city so mm -hmm. that if some miracle happened that we got lots of money from somewhere, then we could start to reach out to those, those areas. Um, can, can you talk a bit about maybe where the gaps are, like specifically? Um, there's areas um, downtown. Um, there's a couple of neighborhood groups downtown, but uh, um, a lot of them just, uh, I know like Exhibition Park focuses around um, having events in the park and stuff like that. Um, the other neighborhood junction neighborhood group, again, is not focused on food or housing or any of those things that places like Onward Willow does. Mm. Um, Onward Willow's in that area and they uh, only service one square kilometer. Um, so anywhere around that one square kilometer really does not have access to the services, the free food, the free clothes that Onward Willow offers. So outside of that area, like in the Waterloo, uh, Water Street area, there's no neighborhood group. There's uh, way out by um, uh, Courtright, there is a small neighborhood group, but around that whole area, there is there is no support. So there's there's some big gaps. Right. It it just it. I'm thinking about those areas in particular and there are a lot of places uh, a lot of neighborhood groups that uh, try to address matters of food insecurity uh, Grange Hills does and um, there's 14 neighborhood groups um, yeah. all over the city of Guelph right and their focus is focuses are all different yeah so some are really um like we're more like Brant and Two Rivers and Under Willow who have yeah. a lot of low income housing and stuff. Um, their, their work is more around supplying uh, food, clothing, help with ass assistance with housing and programs for kids. Mm. It does feel like, not, not that I'm saying that neighborhood groups shouldn't be doing that work. They absolutely should be. Um, but it, it does feel like and I'm not saying our own social safety net here in Guelph is letting people down. It just seems like um, there, there's a big gap that there's a big need that isn't sort of being addressed by sort of traditional government 
safety systems and it's sort of fallen upon select neighborhood groups to try and address that gap despite the fact they don't have they only have a fraction of the resources exactly exactly and the the neighborhood groups like they they would offer um the coalition offers um new groups that are interested um in joining they they offer them support and um maybe like uh, a little bit of money to have an event to get a group started but again um that's a lot of work for a neighborhood group mm-hmm. um, to find their neighbors and, you know, and, and put that kind of stuff together. So without any big monetary supports to have like an outreach worker to go into those neighborhoods and build those, um, those communities, then it just doesn't happen because the coalition only has so much money um, to support the 15 neighborhood groups. Mm-hmm. I know that you deal with um, politicians in your capacity, people, you know, local people or MPP or MP, mm-hmm. I, I guess, you know, what, what do you tell them about the, the situation around feud insecurity as you see it? I mean, what's, what is the story you tell people when they reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, tell us about, you know, the issues in Guelph as you see them. Um, well, the, the good thing is that I also sit on the Poverty Elimination Task Force. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm able to come from different angles. Um, when I talk to people about, um, I've got bigger numbers on stats and stuff like that. That um, And I just say, you know, people in Guelph are hungry and we're not doing enough to feed them. Um, we're not doing enough to... Um, one of my good friends is Carol Tyler from the Indigenous community, and mm-hmm. we're working a lot now on providing um, foods um, for the Indigenous families, um, like getting rice and, and lentils and that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying to everyone, um, we need to find more ways to teach people how to survive off the land. Mm. So one of the big things that a tele politicians we need no support more supports for community gardens uh, we need more supports for uh, land for people to build gardens and I think once you get people interested in planting and and you know looking after their own crops that um, they find it more exciting to um, to put the work in mm-hmm. and it helps people to know that you know there is easy ways to grow your own food and, and people just sort of lack opportunity too. Like if you live in a big apartment complex, you don't have a backyard. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I see a lot popping up. In fact, uh, I live on Dawson Road and the apartment building across the road has now has an, uh, a little enclosure with a mm-hmm. small little raised garden beds. And uh, I think we need more of those for especially people in apartments and townhouses. The message seems to be getting out, but... I- it seems to be getting out in small ways. Like if, if you're able to talk to someone sort of one-on-one and, you know, you can convince, and this goes for like a whole myriad of issues, like people talking one-on-one can reach uh, amazing agreements. The trick is like sort of making this to scale and like making it a citywide thing. And I guess what are the challenges there, you know, in, in terms of like creating, I don't know, maybe standardization and like, getting 
like property owners, you know, whether they're businesses, whether they're like land developers, yeah, people who own apartment complexes, like making it a, making it a priority to say, I'm going to set aside a piece of my land that's going to be like a, a garden for my tenants or whatever. It, it, you know, how do we kind of pop like popularize that message? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a because <laughs> I, I always said, you know, if every apartment in Guelph gave up one apartment mm. for, uh, for people that are struggling to find a home, that we wouldn't have homelessness. You know, you think of the number of apartments that they each gave up just one apartment. But again, how do you, how do you again, find that, right? How do you reach out and, and, um, get a hold of those apartment people and who's going to pay for a person to do that. And is that a city issue? Is that a, you know, a neighborhood group level? No, there's no way in hell that, <laughs> that that's going to happen from that level. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. Like, how does that happen? Barbie, you seem to me like an absurdly dedicated person. Uh, what drives you? Well, um, I was uh, born into generational poverty. Um, I was lived in a, my grandmother's basement with a family of eight. Um, I never really knew I was poor until uh, we got to high school and couldn't go on school trips and stuff. Um, and then, uh, of course, when I got married, I got married um, into an abusive relationship when, again, continued the um, poverty level. Um, and as at, from the age of, uh, ah, 58 to 61, I was homeless. Um, and, uh, uh, now I'm still under the poverty level. Um, but now over my years of volunteering and working in neighborhood groups and, and working with, uh, the poverty task force, there's a lot that I've learned and there's a lot of ways that things can be done. Mm. Um, a little easier. So I think I just turned that into, into my life now is being able to, to share what I know and hopefully help make things easier for people. I do want to get into what you know. Um, what have you learned about sort of the issues of food insecurity and poverty from your time running the harvest market? You know, I, I guess you, you you just talked about your own lived experience, but I mean, everybody's lived experience is a little bit different. So I, I guess, you know, how, how have your perspectives changed over the, the eight years you've been doing this? Um, I, I don't know. I think we listen to stories more. We listen to people when they come. And uh, so instead of just them coming in and we give them food, we actually listen to their stories and again, um, we advocate a lot um, through the neighborhood groups, through the poverty task force about um, decent wage. Mm. I mean, if a, a person can eat, if they've got the right amount of money, they can live if they've got the right amount of money, you know? So it's, it's, it works all around the outside issues. Of course, food is, is a big one, um, but there's the underlying issues that would stop all that. Mm -hmm. What's the living wage in Guelph right now? What's it up to? Uh, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Did I catch you? <laughs> <laughs> you got 
at me. I don't know. I don't even look at a paycheck. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I think it's seventeen dollars. I think that's yeah. I yeah. think it's around there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's still a pretty big gap. Uh, when you know the 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 minimum wage just went up ten cents to fourteen thirty five. So there's still kind of a long way to go. Well, when you look at at I have a, a an, an granddaughter that's looking for an apartment. Like, there's no way that she's going to get an apartment for herself um, on her, on the, what she makes. Yeah. Uh, so again, you know, where's the affordable housing? Um, and then where's a decent wage? She's only working uh, for less than, I think she's making about $13 an hour, but mm. um, that's not going to give her a home. It's mm. going to give her a place to live, but you need to build a home, right? Where mm. she, she can go home and know that she doesn't have to struggle to get next month's rent. Right. Well, Barb, if people are interested in helping out the Northern Harvest Market, what kind of help are you looking for in terms of, you know, maybe financials we talked about, but, uh, you know, if people have donations or if people want to donate their time, how can, how can people help you out? Um, that's, we have delivery drivers. Um, we just started a new program, uh, for delivery drivers to help out the students that are looking for, um, hours, especially in COVID time. So a parent or someone with a valid driver's license, um, can take a student and do deliveries so that there's a driver and then the student will get the hours for helping to deliver the packages to the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we just had we've just had a an older brother uh, sign up with his sister um, because that way they're not vaccinated yet, uh, totally vaccinated yet. Um, so they're they're in their own little bubble. Um, mm. They're safe, and when they deliver, they don't go into people's places. They're just dropped at doors. So it's a, a good opportunity. Um, yeah, sometimes uh, right now we have um, y- the need for drivers. Um, it's maybe not permanent drivers right now, but backup drivers. Mm. Um, we do have enough people to pack. And right now we do have enough volunteers to hand the produce out on the nights, but there's, um, always an opportunity. If somebody wants to volunteer, I'll find a space. (laughs) I'm not letting you go. When you say you want to help, I'm not letting you go. (laughs) Once you're in, you're in. Uh, yeah. I wanted to just kind of maybe finish up with a bit of like a visioning exercise of sorts. Um, If money was no object and the North End Harvest Market could be like realized in the most extravagant fashion you could imagine, what would that look like? You know, how, how big could this get? I, every time I drive down Edinburgh road, I look at that empty space where white rose was Mm. And I'm thinking that is a, a perfect spot for a huge building and a huge garden. And mm. we could have a, a free market uh, to scale market. Um, but a lot of it coming from a garden that uh, we, the volunteers go out and look after and we can put an indigenous garden in there. Like, so my, my vision is every day when I'm driving down Edinburgh Road, um, it would not be a nice space to create 
a, a community vision, right? A community place um, where we can teach people how to grow food. We have a sanctioned kitchen, <clears throat> teach people how to cook what they grow. Yeah, that's pretty well my my vision. So that eventually we wouldn't need um, totally free markets. Mm. Um, that we would still be there to help people, but we would help people to help themselves. Hmm. I think that sounds like a great idea. I I do believe that land has already been rezoned for apartments. I know, I know, but you know, the thought is there. <laughs> the thought is there. Well, Barb, uh, just on a personal note, I mean, you put in so much to this. You are um, so dedicated, and I I don't think people. Um, I mean, people know you, but I'm I'm not sure that uh, they truly are, are aware and appreciate just how how much uh, you do every day, every week for the city. And so, just uh, I want to thank you for that. And uh, it was really great talking to you today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's very great talking to you too. And once again, that was Barb McPhee. You can learn more about the North End Harvest Market at its page at the Green Chill East Neighborhood Group website, which you can find at ghenga.ca slash resources and you can also find the market on social media at facebook.com slash northendharvestmarket all one word and that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast the music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale the Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio out of the University of Guelph and to learn more about CFRU go to cfru.ca you can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Guelph Politico on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. And if you'd like to help support the work of Guelph Politico, in a financial way. You can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>